What's up, bitches? This week on the Media Virus Podcast, the infection team is engaging in a serious discussion about isms. The team is going to talk about intentions, perceptions, cultural and generational differences, and how each of those affects us in different ways. As always, we will take this discussion to the edge. We will say things and take on topics that may be uncomfortable for your little bitch-ass ears to take. Please remember that we've chosen to share our opportunity to learn about each other with you. While the Media Virus Podcast is always open to hearing from our listeners and grateful that you share with us, we will not tolerate hate of any fucking kind. It is the belief of the infection team and production staff at the Media Virus Podcast Network that uninformed opinions rooted in stereotypes are bad, regardless of who is the object of them. This is not to, stay, not to say that stereotypes are not funny. Stereotypes can be quite funny because they are broad strokes that are, are in no way relative to the depth of an individual. It is in the spirit of that that the infection team jabs at each other with jokes about stereotypes that could conceivably apply to us. The infection team has always entered our forum knowing that the breaks can be applied by anyone at any time. We trust and respect each other <clears throat> enough that we can say, hey, the line was back there. I didn't like that. And we want to do it on the show if it's appropriate. Isms are not only the ones we hear about every day. Unfortunately, at some point, people are unfairly judged based on some outward trait. We are in no way trying to equate any of these with another. However, it is important to understand that acceptance and understanding must be wholesale to be valid. We can't create an equal playing field if we are willing to rank and prioritize the isms. The Media Virus Podcast stands behind the content that we've created thus far and will continue to create and stand behind our content. We may not always get it right, but we will always stand by each other and the content. A large part of the show is learning from each other and bringing that to you each week for the past 67 weeks. All that said, if we offend you, please call us on it at plus one six four six virus zero one. That's plus one six four six eight four seven eight seven zero one. The infection team, the media virus podcast, and the Media Virus Podcast Network are committed to bettering ourselves and those around us, including our listeners. We sincerely hope that you learn from the conversation that we are about to have. It's the Media Virus Podcast. Let's point and laugh at the world burning around us with executive producer Mike Latouris. We'll do an intro, we'll do an outro, and then do our round. BBC correspondent, Stanley McFadden. Makes me tingly in an unfamiliar way. And the Scorpion Goddess. And the Scorpio was secretive. I just don't say a lot of shit. And now, spreading the sage nihilism of an aged Gen Xer, your host and mine, the star of our show, the incomparable Maddie Rockdev. I had no, but I, I was, you know, I kind of wanted to, and I, you know, I, I whoa. Uh, damn, do we have a fucking show for you people this week? Uh, so what started this is, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of us middle-aged white dudes um, made made a joke, and it was with a guest. It was before I think it was before recording or the air that um, 
was off-putting to uh to one of the cast members to one of one of our own and uh she she they called us on it trying not to be uh it was me it was okay. me i'm the only we, she here I, well i fucked up there i was trying to that's okay but we and we did stay and and looking Whilst making the joke, it was a play on words and puns. And I did not, because I do not equate, like to me, a slave, slave, this word slave is not synonymous with, with the word black or African or African-American. There, people have enslaved each other for many, many, many. It's, it's, it's a tale. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible. You can actually, it's permitted actually uh, in all of religion that uh you can you can own another human being and uh i think that's a terrible thing so um you know the it was a you know somebody accused someone of being a slave master and they were sitting in their master master bedroom it was just like an irony type of dumb play on words that i didn't but uh you know i we were definitely called out on it it was um it was me and you know and and one of one of our past past guests and we decided to sit down nobody recent like you, you're not going to be able to figure out i don't remember who we've had after i don't oh fuck i'm not trying to call any of the anybody out on, on any other front but uh we we've had um you know we to, so we scheduled this to you know just be um be what kind of like our our ideals what the ideals of the show are and um I'm hoping that that one of the ideals of the show is that when Mike senses that I'm drowning, he jumps in with and saves me. Good evening, everybody. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Not bad, not bad. Um, so yeah, um, to expand on what Maddie's saying, uh, it's that's definitely not the position of the show. Um, one of the things that we send out uh, to our guests. <laughs> to begin with is a sheet that kind of tells them what to expect when they come here. And part of that is how we want them to prepare their area and themselves for the, for the zoom meeting with the headphones and, and trying to keep our sound quality as high as we can. Uh, but also we give them just a little blurb on what to expect in the show. And one of the things that I wrote in that, when I put it together was that you're going to hear some stuff that probably offends you. And the way that we approach that here on the show is we believe that in comedy, all things can be discussed. Um, so, yeah, we're going to tell offensive jokes, but we're not telling offensive jokes to offend somebody to the point of offense. We're telling an offensive joke to draw attention to the offensive thing. Um, so... Uh, one of the references I make in that blurb is to the the films that Mel Brooks made, uh, very specifically Blazing Saddles, where there were some incidences of racism that were that were blatant and they they came right out. And I think the powerful part of that movie is the way that they displayed them made it. It was more pointing and laughing, saying. Look at how ridiculous this thing is. I mean, the movie opens with a really intense ra racial kind of scene where they send two black guys down to check out the quicksand, 
rather than send horses because damn horses are expensive. And wow, that's like, wow, that's pretty powerful. But they do it in such a way that the guy who, who makes the point that no, you can't send horses, send those black guys. It's, it's calling out the ridiculousness of it. And I, I think there's power in that because laughter is something that, that makes us look at things. It, laughter is something that we all kind of like to do. You know, we all like to laugh at something. And I, I think that it, it ingrains memories so that when you point out that ridiculousness and you associate it with a laugh, you can remember how ridiculous that is. And maybe next time you go to say something ridiculous, wow, it's going to it's gonna reach up and bite you and you're going to realize, I'm kind of an asshole and I'm going to get laughed at for this because it's just so ridiculous. Um, and then you're going to say, I should start a podcast and invite people <laughs> With, with respectable uh, opinions to, to do my show with me. <laughs> I mean, that's because let me, let me, let me, I, there was something I wanted to say uh, in the intro. Um, you know, everything kind of gets muddled in my head, especially with this tremendous pain that I'm in and the uh, drugs that I do for the pain. So, um, but I, you know, hatred hatred only damages the vessel that carries it and i know oh, that for yeah i know that for a fact like i've sounds like a fortune cookie dude <laughs> i i know the damage that you know that it just does to yourself to your psyche it's it's you know it, and when a lot of it's just fear and misunderstanding and and you know of course the the concept of if we we want you know, the people want to live in a, in a white people want to live in a, in a civilized, what they consider to be, you know, a civilized, um, suburban white people. It's, and that's the thing is, is there, there's a, there's a, there's a conduct that, um, that, that hatred drives, I think is the point that I'm trying to make. And it, it doesn't do anybody any good. Do you know what I mean? Like people have opinions on how life should be. And if, if, if your life's, if you're not behaving in that way, then you're less, you're than. not like, yeah, ex I mean, even that you see that in religion, you know, if you don't, if you don't worship the right God, then you're, then, you know, you're, you're going to hell. And I, I shouldn't just a, me associating with you as a sin. Like, how does that, how does that fucking make sense? Like at all to anybody? Like, how, you know, is that, is, is that the tower of like, Sometimes I feel like the United States of America is kind of like the Tower of Babel. You know, I don't know if you're familiar. Are you familiar with the, the story of, of everybody? Yeah. No. Right. I'm not. All right. Refresh the tower, my memory. The Tower of Babel is an old, uh, it's an old Testament story about how everybody was getting together and um, building a tower to heaven. Oh. And they were going to get to heaven. And what God decided to do was strike them with the different languages. So, and that's where we get the word Babel from is because the, all these different languages, all of a sudden people couldn't communicate with each other and started fighting and, 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 you know, couldn't can't communicate. You can't, you can't do anything. The teamwork makes the dream work, babe. God looked down and said, things are getting to, are going too well. They're going to be here in no time gotta slow them down Eddie. that's pretty much it Eddie. and I, I think that you know 
I, I think there was a situation where like it was getting too like too homogenized for some I don't I don't I don't know because I remember the 90s not being as like racially tense well the like other- the 60s were really racially tense and like the 90s were like and I think that's where we all come from, like me, you, and Dre. And you have to realize we're closer to the last major step. We're closer to, wow, 1969, things started to happen. People started to, you know, it started to get better. Hey, Julia, turn your microphone away from your sweater. I just did. Cool. You know, things started to incrementally get better during during our parents' lives. And... And, and we were on the other end of that and, and, and they were still getting, we still felt like they were getting better. The fuck is going on with Juliet's mic? And it, it, I'm not even touching. It's in the air. Does it, is it making sounds? It's thumping and bumping. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's like, right. Yeah. I don't even think you can. It, right I know. It's picking it. up the noise every time that the cable top taps something. Just be very still. <laughs> anyway. I, I think because we're closer to what can be considered one of the last major advancements in overall race relations with with and, and we were also kids of desegregation when there was forced federalized desegregation of 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 schools. Um, things were different for us. You know, we they kind of stuck us in schools together again and not only. Not only was it legal for for black people to go to white schools, it was imposed. And they plucked some of the white kids out of the white schools and said, now you go over here because there's some black kids over there you can go to school with. And we'll bring some black kids over here to go to school with your other white friends. And we'll just mix everybody up and everything will be OK. It, it's not a great plan. But what it did for us is that it kind of normalized the way that we interact with each other because we interacted with each other. You know, it, we did, you know, it is what it is. And I, I think that now the, the kids even younger than Juliet are in a place where they're so far removed from that, that they think it should just be better. And I agree that it probably should, but, they don't have the they don't have the comparisons that we have right they don't know how terrible we've been this long right so they're, they're you know they're, for what this behavior now which to, to you know the federal government seems tame is unacceptable and that is good is what you just said well i i, I just I, I think that the the kids today don't understand how you know, we come from a time when we were kind of okay with it. We were riding the wave for a little while, and uh, thing we we should have worked harder to do to do some better things. And I guess we didn't, and and they're kind of butthurt about it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess like maybe we did. I honestly, I, I keep making the like the the joke. It's not even a joke. Like I thought, like Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King fixed all this shit. No. Like I thought it was. I thought uh, it was fixed. No, but you know, I mean, I, and that's my little white bread fucking world. What the fuck and, do I know? And Until- honestly, I years ago I belonged to the Loyal Order of Moose, and it was a predominantly white club. And one night, my buddy said, "Hey, my buddy's going to stop by. I need you to come to the door and sign him in." 
Okay, so you know, it, and you know, if you had a guest in the club, somebody had to sign him in. So I, I figured maybe Jim signed somebody in that night already. Well, Chris showed up. He's not a white guy, so I signed him in, and we walked in, and it was kind of like the jukebox stopped, and everybody looked. And Jim said, "Everybody, this is my friend Chris. We're going to go back and play pool now, and it's going to be okay." And I said, yeah, it's definitely going to be okay. And the jukebox started up again, and we all walked into the back room. Like, when there was two guys that said, hey, this is going to be okay, it kind of just had to be okay because that's where we were. But and this is, but it was this weird. Is why, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no. I was just going to say, this is why it's so important for white people to be allies for people of color because when, well, I can't speak, like, on personal obviously, but we need to have safe spaces or not we, but black people and people of color need to have safe spaces to be able to be in a place like that. So they don't have to interact or be forced into situations like that. And it's like with me, um, so you're, you're proposing that we go back to segregation. No, that's not that's what you just said, though. If they have a place where like, they can no. you know, have an interaction like that. Well, no, no they she, need she, safe spaces. She, that's she, needs a, that's... she means they need a way that they can enter into that situation without having fe- well, I mean, no, racist. The, the way to enter in that, I mean, honestly, we just got to keep uh, stop you know, each other from being fucking assholes. Right. And that's pretty and much what we did that night, that. because by the time we were there for 15 minutes and we went back to the pool table, Within 15 minutes, everybody was like, granted, wonderful guy, friendly, got along with everybody. And like, there were people that came back and played pool with us. And they're like, you know, man, you really ought to join. But they weren't the people that were like, when we walked in the door. They weren't on the admissions committee, so to speak. Well, no, when, when, when we walked in, walked him in the door, they were the people who turned around and looked at us like we lost our minds. So I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to say I was, we were the heroes, but we at least changed a couple minds that night. Like they, they came back with this attitude. Okay. We're going to come play a game of pool with you then. And they realized that, wait a minute, he's a solid dude. And you know, that's really all we're looking for here in the club is solid dudes. It wasn't so much that they had a problem. It's that they had, they had a preconceived notion about what was going on and they had to realize that they were wrong. Now, Right. I'm not going to go as far as to say anybody said, hey, we were wrong. But at the point that they were saying, man, we're having a lot of fun. You ought to join the club. That was kind of close enough at that time. <sighs> I understand it's not enough. Don't don't get me wrong. But, you know, when you, when you talk about a safe place in a situation like that, your safe place is to, to walk in with me because I don't tolerate that shit. Um, I've. I've told close family, and when I say close family, I mean way close family. There's the fucking door. Yeah. And there was nobody, but there was there was there was no one of color here. But a comment was made, and I said, "Okay, there's the fucking door. If that's your opinion, you can take it on the other side." Yeah. Um. Like family. You know, it took it took me it took me a while, like into um, adulthood, to figure out that not every white person was racist. <laughs> yeah right and and when you it, it, when you, <laughs> you get some harsh tongue lashes you know what i mean just by general conversation 
telling a story about something that happened and describing an individual in one word. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, no, no. People don't use that word in my conversation. Are you sure? I do it my own. I, I've, I've been around it. I, I, I understand it's yeah, there. No, it's, it's just, it, I've got no use for it. I've definitely noticed uh, being with my husband. Uh, he's treated completely different when we go into places that is mainly like groups of white people or white people in charge and he's in a program or something too. He gets completely trashed for the most part and they're so quick to judge and assume certain things. So he has to put up a certain demeanor of I'm a safe person. I'm not angry. I'm not argumentative. I'm not difficult. No, hang he on. has to hang like, on overstep to this. No, he has to overstep to this barrier to make other people feel okay. Um, there was a situation with my daughter's basketball league. He is the only black coach. Somebody approached him, said they were going to punch him in the, break his fucking, they said, I'm going to break your fucking jaw and punch you in the face and ran up on him across the basketball court. Devante stood up and stood his ground. He got suspended only. And the other guy who was a white guy got no consequences whatsoever. He is suspended from coaching That's the girls' basketball That's team. That's just flatly inappropriate. Yeah. Um, there's been plenty of times where we've gone out. I used to live in Arizona with him. And we would go to a restaurant. And there would be older white people that would just stare at us or turn around and look. And just look at him. He's been racially profiled. I can't even count how many times. Even when he was doing his job, um, he was delivering packages. I was with him. Um, cause he was doing something where he was self-employed and he was delivering packages to an apartment complex. And he went in with the packages to the main pot because that's where you're supposed to deliver them. And the guy was like, people like you, this, that, and the third, and didn't allow him to deliver the packages. So what I did was I called the apartment complex number while we were in the parking lot. And I just played dumb. I was like, hi. I'm so-and-so and I'm looking for an apartment. And the reason why I did this is because after the guy was like, people like you and this, that, and the third, and we're closed. He said, yeah, sure. Why don't you come by if you can within the hour because we're open. And then obviously because he threw in the people like you um, yeah. out there as well, there was a whole thing. The place got blacklisted from said place of delivery company. But um there's just been plenty of instances that have happened and it's it's really upsetting. And especially after 2020, there's been a bigger uplift to be in your face of what it is to be anti-racist and learning more about what that actually means and the levels of racism that are just like inbreded, not just in the world, but like in specifically like America too. And it's like, I thought I knew everything because I understood what redlining was and all that kind of stuff. But no, there's so much more to it. Um, there's microaggressions. There's all, all kinds of different things that we've I've learned within the past two years anyways. And even my husband, he keeps learning more stuff about his own history and what certain things in I don't know what the proper term is, but just different versions of racism, I guess. I know it's not the proper term, but something like that, you know, and I believe it was Jen. It was it was us. It was Gen X that really capitalized uh, or coined 
casual racism. It's just very like, you know, you don't kind of have any hate in your heart about it. You just kind of like, that's what. It's just what accepted because that's what you were taught. That's what you were taught. You know, that was, and, and that goes, you know, that goes for those for me as, you know, I've made judgments based upon those, you know, stereotypes, you know, mm -hmm. and who knows, you know. And, you know, like I, like I said, uh, about in the, in the little bit that I read at the beginning of the show, we may not always get it right. The, the, the important part is we were, we're willing to learn about it. Um, like my, my wife did some military service. And one of the things she says is, you know, everybody in the army is green. There's no white, black, or in between. Everybody in the army is green. But we learn from our, from our, our upbringing and, and, and the people that were around, and we pick things up. And from, from time to, you know, we, my wife and I kind of ground each other in, in a lot of ways, and we teach each other back and forth. Oh, hey, wait a minute. You know, you, <laughs> that's kind of, you got to call bullshit on that. That's a little mm -hmm. racist. You shouldn't say that thing. Or, you know, that's kind of a fucked up opinion to have because you have nothing to base it on. So when, when we catch each other, and it doesn't, whether it's race or sex or, or, or just, you know, some asshole, you know, some random asshole and I get mad, she said, hey, you don't know what had, what, what's going on with that guy today. Take it easy. You know, it, it's that grounding. And I, I think that's important. He might have a gun and having a psychotic episode. Well, that too. I think but, that like you know. kind of like circles back to the beginning when you were talking about the jokes and how it's important to if this happens. That's yeah. why context is so important to put in. And when we're making jokes, it's important to know like this is coming from this place and I'm not punching down. And it's right. like what's appropriate, what is not appropriate, and how do I check myself? That's I why I like, made it very got to do our own research on certain things as well. Mm -hmm. And I thought I've made it very, very, very clear that I am never. It is impossible for me to punch down. Can't be done. And I, I, I think it, it cannot be done. I think it's. Also I would like to point out real quick, Mike. I just want to point out that in this, in this really poignant discussion about racism, it's only been the three white people talking. I know I that. I want to say something too. Be like Stanley. Is Dre even like here? He's trying not to be. <laughs> it's, it's interesting hearing three white people. <laughs> and I'm sure it is. I'm sure it, it I, just dawned on me the racism of that. Like there, this is by no way a a uh, what do you call it? Uh, 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 Choose your words carefully. Fully diverse group. No, There's, you got a couple uh, of old white guys. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter how you slice this. You got you got three white people. You got three old guys. You got a couple old white guys. Right. It's, and here we go. We gave we gave we gave Stanley an opportunity to be on camera. He spoke a moment, and then we pontificated from our superior position. <laughs> <laughs> not I for nothing. Not for the not for nothing. But he's in the bottom right of my screen right now too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, honestly, I, go ahead. I want to open with uh, something that I heard from Dave Chappelle. He said, uh, he said a great many wonderful things, but one of them was that sometimes 
the funniest thing to say is me. And I didn't say it to be me. I said it to be funny. And there's a difference between that distinction is very important. Mm -hmm. There are times when I agree 100%. Every girlfriend I've ever had, every one of them, even my wife now, I'm like, I didn't say it to be mean. I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> right. And, and that distinction is very, very important. Um, and Maddie always, so always says, Maddie always um, says, my penis doesn't understand when you're trying to be funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> there are times when, when there, are, there are definitely times where we're looking for the funniest comment. But the funniest comment is not always nice. No. Sometimes the funniest thing to say is mean. But it's not saying it to be mean. It's saying it to be funny. It is, it is said, being said, just fucking around. The problem with that inherently is that you are going to pluck some nerves. But that is the point of entertainment and comedy as a whole. Comedy, matter of fact, another thing Dave Chappelle said that, that if we don't, if there aren't people that are willing to do that, then our children, our children's children, will never know what reckless talk sounds like. There have always been people that have been willing to say things that are reckless, that are wild, that are off the cuff, that are uh, revolutionary thoughts, that progress, that are able to progress a, a public mindset that are able to en en enact a shift because it is things that are jarring to a sensitive ear that need to be said and need to be heard in order to shift a mindset from where it is to where it needs to go. Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Red Fox, Moms Mabley, all of those great old comedians mm -hmm. did, you know, they, they practiced that. Yes. Now, just taking taking that, that short, short list of names that you said, it wasn't that long ago when uh, Red Fox had a show on air that had the N-word said with impunity, just, just like salt and pepper on yep. a dish, just all throughout the show. And it wasn't something that was, it wasn't a word... It wasn't being used in a way that was meant to demean the audience that the show was reaching. Uh, that being said, it was also a different time period and a different generation. So when you look at uh, the, the three guys on the panel, we grew up in a time period where we collectively, I will say we collectively, were often trying to be offensive uh, to ourselves, to the people around us, to our, our best friends. And there was something, we thrived on being insensitive to each other. And I think that spoke volumes to, uh, our own personalities, but also kind of the world around us, right? We, the, the insensitivities of the world around us gave us permission to be insensitive to each other. 
and that gives way to a lot of reckless talk and a lot of reckless behavior. The upside to that is that it makes us uh, thicker skinned, which is both good and bad. Mm -hmm. It's great to have a thick skin if you're if someone's going to try to cut you, but it's not good to have thick skin if you need a, a needle with medication. So there's good and bad in having a thick skin. My best friends, my best friends growing up, uh, when we would see each other in the hallways, you know, punch each other in the dick, call each other horrible <laughs> names. Like these are best friends. These are dudes that I have, I have friends right now that I've been to war with. And when I say been to war, I mean, I've, I've been in fights and stood next to and stood behind or in front of people that have been shields to me are, are people that I have also, you know, punched in the chest because it was his birthday. So I punched him as hard as I could in the chest. Hey, I love you, man. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. Or if you walk this fast when he's on a date, you ball tap. Oh, birthday punches? Exactly. Ball tap. Birthday punches. My, my brother, my, my flesh and blood brother used to beat the shit out of me on a daily basis. Because that was the that was our generation. It was a bit less sensitive. But like I said, you guys, probably- you guys ready for this story? Here's a story. In high school, I used to hang out with some upperclassmen when I was a sophomore, and that was a big deal because I went to a Catholic school. Okay, so that, yeah, that's huge. These particular, they all when they when they graduated, uh, they all joined the Marine Corps. So these are the type of kids I'm talking about. All right. Um, and, uh, the, the white collar kids who parents sent them to Catholic school, so they wouldn't have to go to public school. Okay. Um, so they wouldn't have to, cause that was a punishment to go to public school. Um, apparently this is what I've been, what I've been told. I got threatened with public school so many fucking times. It wasn't even funny. Um, so there's a, there's a level of racism just right just inbred, like ingrained in my childhood, as you can see, right? And then, um, what was the fucking story I was telling? Oh yeah, we um, in uh, so we played this game, uh, like if we were all in the hallway before class, only before, mainly before class, and it was it was most offensive offensive thing. The game was called, and this is terrible because I didn't really. I was so protected and sheltered and drilled with racist ideas i didn't re- realize that that jewish people like really existed like i like there are there weren't that many of them right it's terrible i understand that and so we, we played a game we called it the jew game and what we would do is we would throw change down the hallway and then we would beat the shit out of each other for the change that was the game to win the game and I, I i might be it was one coin after a couple of weeks we got tired of fighting over single pennies we weren't going for anything less than a nickel but uh wow. that's i have this little scar on my knuckle and i was coming up to punch rob snyder right in the fucking jaw like like up and he kind of got out of the way and he fucking, he fucking blocked it. And you know those locker fins that ventilate? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. My knuckle caught that. Oh, I can feel it. it. I can still Opened feel it. Opened you right up. 
it opened it right up and it shivered right up my fucking arm. My God, but if I'd have hit Rob, I'd have knocked him right the fuck out. Best friends. Like we were, we were all friends, hung out. One of those kids drug me down the hall by my fucking, uh, by my hair. Yeah. I was holding on. I was long. It was long and I was holding on to it. And he's, I think another thing that has gotten us, our society in trouble is that there, there are, there exist both racism and prejudice-ness, prejudice, prejudice. So the difference between racist and prejudiced is that prejudiced is a prejudge, right? You don't necessarily, so to yeah, me, the, I don't want to cut you off. One can be prejudiced, but not racist. But you can't necessarily, I don't think so, be racist without being prejudiced. My point is, there are people that don't have that hatred component just, in their hearts. They're undereducated. But there are they're undereducated. Someone that has been fear their entire life a very specific stereotype. And that is the thing that has been ingrained in them for 18 years is going to believe that thing when they go off on their own. Great example. Uh, when, for example, year, years ago, well, even now, actually, a white girls, young white girls are often taught, told, taught to fear black men without necessarily a reason for that for that fear to explain the fear just i'll oh, be careful of that situation and if that's what a young white woman hears for 20 years when she goes out into the world and sees a black man it's not necessarily that she's reacting in a racist way as it is a prejudging way because she's made the decision that she can piss off her daddy. So it all works out for you. (laughs) (laughs) But just prior to that, um, right before she makes that realization, wait, but fun, fun fact is that would still be considered prejudice because it's either a liking or a disliking judgment of somebody based on their culture, look, or any of that. Beautiful. Lovely. Lovely. That is, a prejudice. Which was my point. <laughs> was it so, really your point? Yeah, no, but you <laughs> delivered it beautifully. Oh. <laughs> that, that is exactly what I'm saying. Like, that is a prejudiced perspective because you don't know any better. This is what has been taught, told for your entire life. And it's not until you go out in the world and then you meet uh, big, sexy, chocolate Tyrone. And then your mind changes, and then all of a sudden, it's different. Is is racism that gets you, Stan, is racism that gets you pussy a bad thing? Like, the fact that her dad is racist. Wait, wait. And she wants to piss her dad off and fuck you. Well, that's a... No, I was going to say that goes into the sexualization of black men, specifically. Yeah, yes. It does. And that's, and, and that's degrading in itself. 
it's so degrading. I hate being <laughs> so I, degrading. I do not. I absolutely refuse, refuse to use uh, black men uh, sexualized. I will not sexualize any black men. I don't even watch black men in pornos. That's how much I refuse to sexualize black men. That's racist. No, I'm not sexualizing them. <laughs> you specifically you won't watch them. That's racist. <laughs> because it's sexual. Because it sexualizes them. The ladies. So you like to sexualize white men, Puerto Rican men, Asian men. No, listen. In the in the on the other end, <laughs> I enjoy. I enjoy all colors. It's, I have no predisposition to the ladies. But I can barely compete, uh, you know, with uh, Randy. Ah, so you only like to objectify women. Yes. Sexism. And and Filipino men. Let me explain something to you. I think it was I think it was Bill Burr that said, "Oh, if I oh I love Asian porn, it's great. They have nothing." Um, There's also one out there called My Tiny Penis, and it is tiny. Makes me feel great. Um, What was I? It's oh, it was, it was, it was, I think it was, I didn't hear what you said. I didn't hear what you said. I'm just laughing in general at the idea of that. Uh, I didn't even know that existed. Oh, there's everything exists. That's just, just, type, just type in what you want. Um, Bill Burr. I think it was Bill Burr that said, you know, racism and xenophobia and all these things that's something we'll eventually fix, right? That's something we can talk out. Mm-hmm. That's something that as we get to know each other, you know, it's going to go away. Sexism think, sexism is just how we feel about each other. I think <laughs> racism what? will end eventually. But what I, I think what it will take to get there is the deeper, bigger problem. Well, I think it's going to take more discussions like this one, where it's three white uh, people, the the and a very yeah. very light black guy. Shut <laughs> up! Non-threatening. The other thing I want to point out is um, the advantage to 2021 or 2022, or whatever. The advantage to this time period that we live in right now is that. So many of the atrocities that were that have occurred and do occur all over both the world and the nation have never been so widely recorded as as they are now. And widely reported like, as well. And <clears throat> widely reported. It's not like, for example, uh, police uh, uh, police beating up Negroes. Um, it's not like those that is a new thing that literally is what the police started as. That is they literally started as slave catches, right? That is literally Bullshit. the creation of the police force, yes, created to beat black people. Mm-hmm. So it's not that this is a new thing, it's that it is being recorded and shown and broadcast and proven. We, there was not never for nothing. So not for nothing though, real quick. If they weren't if they weren't out beating on black people, they'd have probably been out beating on the Irish. So or let's just say you took one for the team. You know what I mean? Uh 
the other thing, you know, just just to kind of look at that it. That was really funny to me. Just to look at it from a different perspective. There are just as many things that white people are told to 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 be aware of as it pertains to black people as black people are told to be aware of for white people. Right. There are plenty of things I could for I, okay, and, great example. And everything I was always in- it all informs your interactions. Told, exactly. I was always told to fear an older white man. I was told, I was taught from as long as I can remember that if it was an older white man, any sort of gray in his hair, to be afraid of that man and what he was capable of. This is what my mother taught me. This is what I, I could go through a list. And most black people have a very similar list of things that were ingrained in us since we were kids. So I am fully aware that I myself have had a lot of, of, of prejudiced ideas Mm -hmm. put into my head. I am 100% aware of that. The difference is you can have a a preconceived notion but what do you do with that preconceived notion? Yeah. You have to. So when I see a, uh, a white, a young, if I see a young white man with no hair on his head and he's not balding, mm-hmm. there is a preconceived idea in my head as to what kind of activity activities that person may be involved in yep that is my preconceived taught notion so now you look at his clothes you know it's it's funny the longest for the longest time i've had brushes with skinheads i've i've been friendly and hung out with skinheads and uh they're not they're not nice people like at all no they're not, Whoa. they're not, like, they're not the highest Obviously. class of human being. No, I, I was hanging out. They were living, these two skinheads living in a fucking garage. They're, they're two, they had two beds laying on the floor of this garage. They had a shower and, uh, in a bed, you know, a bathroom, a shower. And to light the bathroom, they needed to plug in a drop light and take the drop light into the bathroom so that they could like shit and shower and stuff. And I'm like, you're, you're going to die of electrocution. That's okay. Dumbest thing I've ever heard. And <laughs> so and, and he had a t- he had a tattoo gun mm. made out of a tape deck and a, and a pen and a battery charger. Yeah, definitely people you want to hang around with. Right. When I so I lived in Delaware. This is how I can I finish. Can I finish kind of this because oh, I, I thought you only, were done. No, because the only thing <laughs> that you've got so far is I went and hung out with skinheads, and I think there's 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 you know. <laughs> He has to finish his story that cut me off before you can finish your story that was to cut him off. Oh, okay. All right. And when well, we come I'll back stop. from break, we'll let Dre talk. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm you know what? I'm I'm gonna stop. I'm just gonna let you guys think that I hung out with skinheads all you know. But I did. It was but so the, the the point I was driving at is I have that preconceived notion of what this person's appearance tells me that their activities are. The important thing is what are you doing with said notion? 
So if in my head, I see this person's appearance and I think, oh shit, I wonder if all of these things are, you know, part of this person. But just because that is the idea that's in my head should not make me assume, make the assumption, take it from a prejudice and bring it over into the, the hate category. I cannot take my personal assumptions and throw it on that person. And that is the difference. That was mm-hmm. my point. I think that's really. where um, discernment is really important to come in too. Because yeah. that's when it's like, all right, I see this person, they fit this stereotype of whatever. Is mm-hmm. this my fear or my anxiety that's warning me? Or is this an actual like gut instinct that's like, no, you want to stay away from that person? That's where right. discernment is very important yeah. too. It's hard. It's hard <laughs> to figure out which one it is. And it's hard to do it at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times um, where I've gotten on a bus, just, you know, SEPTA or DART or in Delaware. And I'm, I, I, I'm a, a large statured black man. So, and I- You're black? I know that my, <laughs> my appearance and my, let me phrase that, my presentation and my personality are two very different things. So I, I, anyway, so when I get on a bus, I can't tell you how many people, and I can always tell how someone has been brought up by how they react when I walk past them. Who's grabbing their purse? Mm. Who's shifting over to make room? Who's giving me a once over? Who's licking their lips? Like the reactions, the preconceived <laughs> ideas that happen are such a broad range. But you got to fight the things that you were taught when it leads to places of fear, hate, and aggression. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you trimmed your eyebrows, did you use a lawnmower? Huh? There is so much distance in Dre's brows. Do look. Talk right. <laughs> <laughs> He's cutting on your lineup, dude. While we're at a good breaking point, checking out Dre's brows, I'm going to uh, take a moment. I'm going to let you know that you can uh, you can reach us here at one six four six virus zero one if you think we're uh, interesting or not. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. And uh, I think we might let Stanley talk some more. Uh, you know. Just my thought. I wish I could hear the bumpers. 